Good morning and welcome. You have Miss Sarah Myers, Dustin Atwood, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, how are you this morning? I am officially not a ball of negative energy like I have been Fantastic. for the past two weeks. Fantastic. So what changed? We purchased a truck. So you're excited. You found one? Yes, we found one. And right. it was not without trial and error. Uh, but let me tell you about the new truck. Okay. It's a 2012 Chevy Colorado. Excellent. It's really nice. It's got a lot of room in the back seat. Uh, it's perfect height for me and Ryan. We're yes. not the tallest people in the world, so we don't need a great big truck. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's perfect for us. And uh, the best part is it only has 40,000 miles on it. So this has been a little bit of a journey for you and Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. This wasn't the first truck you looked at. No. So we had one a few, well, I guess it's been a couple weeks ago now that I actually did the pre-purchase inspection on. I was really keen on that truck, and mm-hmm. I think you and Ryan both were as well. And we have a young advisor, uh, Amanda, I think you got to meet and yes. visit with her a little bit. One of her questions, you know, she's been in the automotive industry for a while, but the advisor role we're, you know, ushering into that part of it. You guys had got that from a very big, reputable lot here around Springfield, um, and she asked me, and I don't know whether she included you in this, she's like, why in the world would they bring you or us a vehicle from another huge car lot in town? And I think that was the most shining prime example of why that we could have yeah. ever found. So Ryan had a smile on his face that you couldn't have slapped off there when he pulled up in that truck. It was a later model uh, Toyota Tacoma four-door, yep. if I remember right. Mm-hmm. I think you were a fan of it, were you not? I was. I really liked uh, the price point of it, the mileage, mm-hmm. the fact that it was a Toyota. Yep. Because, you know, in the automotive industry, Toyota has pretty good reputation, especially with their their trucks. Yes. So I was very excited to find everything that kind of checked all of the boxes. Well, it was a good-looking truck, It really too. was. So I took it and drove it. I was like, yeah, this is the one. So, you know, we were able to, we don't normally do this, but because you're part of our family, we brought you out and had you in the shop, got mm-hmm. you to kind of see. Um, that was our level one inspection, by the way. We've got three different levels. If it doesn't pass the first one, I don't proceed to the other levels because it's just a no. Um, so we raised that truck up, looked really good at a glance. And then I was able to bring you guys under there and show you that that truck had a uh, very compromised frame. And that's not something I see all that often, but for some of our Toyota owners out there for the truck line, there had been a recall on that one, and evidently this one slipped through the recall. Ryan was able to call, I think it ended um, the 1st of July of 2020, so no free recall. And the advisor told them that that job started at $12,000. Yep. And the truck itself was listed at either seventeen mm-hmm. or eighteen. Yep. So, yeah. So had somebody not done a pre-purchase on that truck, and unfortunately, somebody's probably going to buy that truck. Yes. I bet it's sold by now. It's still on the lot. Is it? Um, I got curious the other day, actually, and I looked, and it's we had told uh, the salespeople uh-huh. over at this lot okay. um, everything that had happened during the pre-purchase inspection, everything we saw, all of the things that we did, which, you know, included calling the uh, Toyota dealer mm-hmm. and double checking if the recall was still active, which yeah. it wasn't. And uh, they were shocked that all of this was happening. But I noticed that the sticker price is still the same and it's still, still on the sale. lot. Yep. So somebody's going to end up with that truck. Um, and I'm not saying that it's a bad truck, but basically you're going to sign on the dotted line for, say, seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars 
The truck is drivable, but if you get in an accident or you use that truck very much, the frame literally could buckle. And I've seen it. There's videos out there, and people can look it up on YouTube where people pick trucks up and the frame breaks on a two-post lift. Um, and that is a real good candidate for that happening. Um, it's just a real shame that somebody's going to be saddled with that. God forbid they get in an accident because it's not made uh it's designed to have a good structural frame in it, and that one doesn't now. Um, and then, then they're going to owe eighteen grand on that thing. Can you imagine that? I know it kind of breaks my heart. Yeah, that it's still on the lot. Yeah, it's 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 a real bummer deal because a lot of times on my end of it, I I see folks after they own it. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, in your case, you know you've been a part of the show for many years at this point, and. We went through that pre-purchase inspection and essentially avoided. Now, we don't have a crystal ball. I can't look inside the engine, inside the transmission, etc. But there's a lot goes a long way with checking just kind of the basics, good visual inspection, um, some scan tool stuff, which we didn't make it to on that one because it didn't deem it. It was a safety risk item at that point. And, you know, somebody's going to be saddled with that and, and a large expense that's that you're not going to get your money back out of. Yeah. But, you know, uh, one thing that I am really happy about with that vehicle, Mm -hmm. I was really excited to kind of get a behind the scenes look of how a pre-purchase inspection works. You know, you talk about it all the time and the different levels and Mm -hmm. things like that. It was really great to be able to actually like see you in action, (laughs) if you will. So it was really cool to watch you get it up on the rack and do all of the different testing that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And you did a really great job explaining every single thing that you were walking through and doing. You were checking alignment. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, you showed us the actual yeah. problem with the the part of the frame that was just completely rusted and we got to see it with our own yeah. eyes and it really was kind of eye-opening that oh gosh you know a lot of vehicles have um, similar issues whether it be that or something else a lot of times I find collision damage that people covered up you know it looks good from the outside and then I get it up and I'm like that's not where it's supposed to be basically it's been smashed in and they didn't do a good enough job getting it all pulled back out Um, Right now, I'm seeing some flood cars coming out. I think it was Hurricane Ida that came through here a few months ago. Um, The auto auctions locally, the salvage auctions, are actually touting those. They're shipping those cars across the country. And uh, dealers that either know and and don't care or dealers that sometimes don't know, I would venture to say that dealer, until you told them about that truck, didn't know that the frame was damaged on it. So they are pushing those out across. So flood cars, I've already had several pre-purchase come in, and we've identified um, a flood car. You pretty much uh, will never be able to get the electrical gremlins out of that. It will continue to corrode and degrade the wiring inside the vehicle, which is a huge, huge deal. Um, Now, some of you out there maybe that are older and sunk your old Chevy or Ford pickup in the creek or in the pond back in the day, and it was fine for years and years later, um, that's very possible and probable. I mean, I've done a ton, <laughs> a ton of off-roading in, in my life. Um, there wasn't a lot of electrical demands on those, and even if you had to rewire one of those out of the even 70s, 80s, and, and early 90s, wasn't no big deal. Today's cars, which are the cars that are typically have full coverage and are being flushed back into these lots, um, they depend on electrical communication and not only that network communication. So those cars are a no go in my book. 
Um, and if you if you don't know it or you get one, you know, because you didn't go through the normal pre-check process, you are going to be saddled with a money pit that will never, ever stop. And so I'm so glad that we were able to do that. Um, I don't know whether you know this or not, and maybe we need to get into this on the next segment. But while you and Ryan were there, I had a customer that was pretty upset with us. Did you notice that? I did, yes. So I wanted to get your take on that. There, We were able to get to the bottom of it. But you got to see, and I keep it real, you know, on what goes in and on in the shop. We're not perfect. As far as I know, we don't walk on water, and I put my pants on one leg at a time like everybody else. But sometimes things happen, and, and I have preached this for, for years at this point, that, you know, you really find the character of a company, a person, when something goes wrong. And you kind of got to see that. So I'm curious. I don't know if we have time now and can get into it. What did you think and how, how did that go from the, from the you know, customer not involved in that issue? Well, I knew that something was wrong. I could tell by the just the tone yeah. of the conversation. But I really feel like you handled it very professionally. Oh, it was that. very, I'm very sorry for what is happening. Here is what we can do. And you laid out everything that you guys can do, everything that could possibly go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just really, I like that about A1 Custom Car Care in general. It gives kind of a peace of mind because you're right. Not everything is always going to be 100% perfect. Things happen. Yeah. But I felt like you guys handled it really professionally. Uh, you de-escalated the situation, yeah. and by the time uh, the customer left, I feel like it was it was a positive experience. So we ended up. Uh, they called back and made an appointment. I was double checking oh. the work this morning. We mm-hmm. ended up taking care of their issue. Um, so the long and short of it is, they had brought it in, and we had looked at it, and they were told something. You know, a few months ago, we were test driving another uh, computer software at that time. And so I couldn't pull back what we had told them. And then what we found that particular day was different. So, you know, there was this communication thing that didn't happen. And, you know, I'm a huge uh, student of effective, uh, what I consider good communication, being a good conversationalist. One of my, my goals in life is to be a good conversationalist. I think that is waning with emails and text messages and all that TikTok stuff uh, that goes along with it. Um but basically, we got our wires crossed on that deal, and I couldn't reference and come from where they, they had come from. But one of the biggest things is, I don't know if you noticed when I was on the phone, I actually called her husband and explained it to him as well. Because I didn't want to put her in a situation where she was relaying that information third party and trying to get to the bottom. That's a, that's a stressful situation for anybody, and I sh- sure didn't want her having to go home and deal with that. So I was able to get a hold of uh, him, talk to her in person. Got it all cleared up. Bottom line is we're test driving the car, making sure it's in good shape because we wanted to get to the root cause of their problem, even if it was a little bit uh, chaotic, I guess, at, at a moment. So I wanted to just share that or bring that up that, look, things happen. We're not perfect, but we want to get to the right outcome. And even if it's a little tough, sometimes we're committed to that. But we're going to take a break. Sarah and I will be right back in a moment. I'm just a guy with a girl everybody wants to know. Sarah in here. Sarah thankfully got a new vehicle. Her and Ryan did. Went through the process. I've had and helped many, many people through that. The guys have looked them over, made sure they're in good shape for years at this point. And I give you guys some of the horror stories from time to time just to keep it real. 
Um, there are a lot of good vehicles out there, even good pre-owned vehicles. Um, to this point, um, you know, we usually end up on average going and looking at anywhere from three to nine cars before we find somebody that we're like, yeah, this is a good option. And some folks don't stick through that. And if they get frustrated with the process, because I, I see it on folks' face, I, I saw it on you and Ryan at that point in time, you know, when you're, you, you see one, it fits your criteria, fits your budget, and then you bring it in and you're excited about it. Because buying a new vehicle is very emotional. It's very exciting, typically. Um, and then I have to say, no, don't buy this one. How did that feel? You know what? Actually, Ryan and I, we took separate vehicles over there to do the inspection. So I called him after we got done with it yeah. because we had kind of talked about it a little bit in the shop, a little bit in the parking lot, but we were just kind of ready to go home at that point because yeah. uh, it had been a long day. And I called him and I said, look, I know that you're really disappointed about this. And he said, I am. And I said, don't be, because honestly, at the end of the day, A1 Custom just saved us $12,000. Yeah. And I said, the whole point of buying a new vehicle is to have something that we yeah. can have for a long time, something that's going to last us for a while. And at the end of the day, if we would have purchased that vehicle and then had to have done the repairs, which yeah. we would have, that vehicle would have ended up costing us $28,000. Yeah. And you can buy a pretty decent vehicle for $28,000. Yeah. So I mentioned that to Ryan and I said, well, just keep looking. And it sucks. But at that meantime, we were driving a station vehicle. He had my car. So mm -hmm. we were all squared away. Sure. But yeah, we just kept looking and it was really good feeling to get the, the green light to yeah. purchase something. Well, and, and thankfully you guys kind of stuck through that because it's not fun. I don't, I don't enjoy saying, oh, this super beautiful truck for, for what it was. Uh, is a no-go. That's a bummer for me, too. And I could see it all over you guys' face. It was like, oh. And what happens is some folks at that point, they they give up and they just buy the next one and they don't bring it in yeah. because they don't want to go through that again. And I've had that happen. I've seen it happen. So, like I said, how many did we end up looking at before you guys pulled the trigger on So, mine? originally... This one would have technically been the third one. Oh, that's right. The first one never made... <laughs> and I think I talked about this briefly on air. But the first one never made it to A1 Custom yeah. Car Care because there was a miscommunication between the salesperson and um, the technicians over at that dealership. Yeah. And when I went to pick up the vehicle for a pre-purchase inspection, the technician had it completely tore apart. Yeah, it was for, a bunch of pieces. Um, what, is, what is the word that they call... Reconditioning? Yep. Yes. Yep. So a lot of times that process, um, you know, they buy used cars. People trade cars off typically because something's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. They either don't know what it is and they've taken it to a few places. They can't get to the bottom of it and they dump it on somebody else. Or the bill on the accumulative things that it needs to get it back up to park it so high they dump it on a dealer. So the dealers know this and so they have a reconditioning process. Well, Typically, they should do that before they list the vehicle and choose a price. And you had an appointment to go see them, and you sent me a photo of it. The car was, or the truck was in a ton of pieces. I mean, that thing wasn't nowhere close to being into a sold condition. So that was one. We looked at the second one. You guys bought the third one. So I was telling folks that pretty much anywhere from three to nine cars is what it takes as normal process before we find one that's a really good candidate for somebody long-term. 
And people give up on that if they get sick of hearing no, 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 and they just buy one. And then usually that's anywhere from three to $9,000 to get it up to par. And I know you're not counting on that. When I go buy something, I pretty much, by the time you pay taxes and down payment, you've spent some bucks. Yeah. And, you know, after that, you know, you don't have three to nine grand to put in a car and it's not going to get any cheaper at this point with the price of everything. And, and, you know, we can we can speculate or talk about why the prices of everything are going up for days. Uh, But you guys stuck through the program, went through it, were able to look and find one that you liked. Good low miles. The mileage on that one is incredible. I know. And I thought one of two things when we came across it. Mm -hmm. I thought, one, it was either um, an older person that Mm -hmm. had owned the vehicle that had just drove it around their little area that they needed to be. They didn't take it anywhere for road trips or Mm -hmm. um, major hauling or something was wrong with it. Yeah. And that's a good candidate of both of those. And I've seen both. But in your case, you guys did your homework. It was a local truck, which is great, by Mm -hmm. the way. Um, You know, I see even coming from northern Missouri, the rust and corrosion is is definitely a bigger factor there than southern Missouri here. And then as you go on south, I mean, everybody knows the Texas vehicle is definitely a good one to go after if it's older. So you guys stuck through the process. How's Ryan liking this truck? He deserves this vehicle. Let me tell you, my husband, he has drove a 1996 Ford Ranger since high school. And he has loved the truck. He's taken care of it. And um, unfortunately, it it was just time. Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, he's never owned a quote unquote new vehicle. Before that, I believe it was an 86 Chevy that he drove. So that's it. Wow. So he jumped. Like the comfort, the ride quality, the fuel economy, the which his Ranger probably got pretty good fuel economy, but just the creature comforts in that. Yes. So he has been really excited about it. And I told him last night we took a trip up to Bolivar. Nice. And on the way back, I asked him, I said, do you really love your new truck? And he said, yes. And I said, good, because you deserve yes, this. He does. That's super big deal. And you know, having that freedom and the confidence and, and dependability that, hey, you know, because I think he works pretty early, just like you do, you know, to get up, hit the key and be able to make it to work and not have any issues, confidently make it home, make it to the running around stuff we all do and have some capabilities. I mean, he's still got a truck bed, do some light towing with it. You know, that's a pretty big deal. And then have the uh inside or the expanse of the passenger cabin versus a regular cab ranger that's going to be awesome even to put your coats and gloves and stuff through winter Um, my last truck was a regular cabin i love that truck it was a great truck but i learned that there's no room for anything inside of regular cab truck i was just like golly so this next truck we went with an extended cab i carry a lot of equipment in there and, and different stuff so the creature comforts of a late model vehicle are pretty amazing. They really, really are. Yeah, he was kind of amazed with all of the bells and whistles yep. that came with this truck. And it's a 2012, so it is still a little bit older. It kind of blows my mind. When I say 2012, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's that long no. ago. Um, but then I realized yeah, like, that's like 10 years. Working on 10 years there, Goodness. for sure. But yeah, so it doesn't have as many uh, bells and whistles. Even not as many as my car, which is a 2014, but he was still amazed and awed with it. So I couldn't imagine getting him in like a 2022. Well, and, (laughs) and, you know, you and I work closely with Kyle um, from All Out Law quite a bit. He bought a new truck here recently. And one of his biggest things, uh, because obviously due to his work, 
the infotainment system, I think is what they call that, the huge screen that comes in the middle of these vehicles, which I don't know, um, I don't own anything that has that, but that's a big deal on the 2020s and up. Have you looked or been in any late model vehicles lately and seen that huge screen that's in the middle of them? I have. It is really nice. What comes into my mind is, gosh, when it's broke, how and what am I going to do to fix these things? I always things? think that too. Yeah, because and that's a factor all the time. Like this is this is a whole this is not automotive repair. This is basically communication and and video and audio technician at that point in time. And a lot of times it is. It's just a unit replacement. You pull the entire infotainment system out put a new one in it and that's how they're fixing them so very expensive when you talk about fixing things that way um you know that's pretty much how most of your ev or electric vehicles do things if they have a drive motor or some kind of thing go out they don't fix it you get a whole new one and you get the price tag to go along with that i think the industry at this point in time is really kind of reverting back to what it used to be where because of the supply chain shortages and i'm not using that as an excuse it is reality us in the automotive field and many other fields out there are having to figure out how to fix what it is we have. Uh, we had a customer the other day, which I thought was super duper cool. Um, normally, when you have a, a, a dash problem, basically where it won't blow in the right vent orientation or the right temperature, those doors and actuators are made out of plastic. And forever I've had to buy new HVAC boxes, which is basically the big box behind the dash that controls everything. Um, there's a, a guy that developed a company for one that we had had or been doing that for who would 3D print a replacement part so I could fix the dash box that I have instead of having to replace it for the customer, which I thought was absolutely incredible what these 3D printers are doing and we can fix the broken part. But we're at the bottom of the hour. Sarah and I will be back in a moment. There's a stretch of black top. I ain't never seen a cop. So I'm pushing it a little past 10. Pull a little money from the bank. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin here in the studio. We've kind of been rehashing, I guess, the uh, the journey of buying a used vehicle, if you will. And we're all in that boat from time to time. Now's a really tough time to be buying something, which means you have to be much more of a student or a steward of your money and your investment, because that's truly what it is. When you think about where all your money goes, which I probably should spend more personal time thinking about that, uh, but you got to watch the dollars and cents. You know, I'm not definitely that, uh, you know, save every penny, but you sure don't want to make a bad investment. And when you talk about your vehicles, other than your residence, whether you rent or whether you own, doesn't matter. That vehicle is typically the second biggest uh, expense or outgo that we all have in our monthly uh, you know, budget, I guess, if you will. And I'm not a budget kind of person. However, I have been very fortunate to be able to drive most of my vehicles for many, 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 many years and tons and tons of miles. And we've got a lot of folks that do that as well. You know, our service truck um, or my previous service truck, I think out of pocket when we initially made the purchase, it was about 6200 bucks. had 150,000 miles on it. I put well over another 150 on it and it still brought $6,200 when we traded up to a, a higher capacity or larger truck with less miles. So um, two 300,000 anymore is not such a big deal. 
That doesn't scare me very much. I definitely want to look at certain things on the vehicles that have that kind of mileage. But it's not a deal breaker anymore. So again, you know, we paid sixty two hundred. I think I used it for heck, I don't know, probably five or six years and got that investment right back out of it. My personal vehicles, I've got a, a large SUV, it's an excursion, seven point three liter turbo diesel. It's got four hundred and forty thousand miles on it. I just ran the kids home back and forth in it the other night, didn't blink an eye, did exactly what I needed. And it'll tow almost 12,000 pounds. My Dually, it is a 03 uh, Duramax Chevrolet. It's, I think, 340,000 on it. We tow our camper, St. Louis, quite often with it. Uh, it's been a really good truck. I have done some work to it. These are not just uh, completely free miles. But <clears throat> compared to having to go buy a new truck for 70,000, 80,000, which someday I'm going to do. I'm just not quite there yet. Um, I love my older vehicles that I can, you know, make sure and keep them reasonably on the road and depend on them. You know, I'll have a buddy of mine from time to time who needs to tow something. I don't think twice. I hand him the keys and away he goes. It's just part of the gig. And I've been thankful to been able to do that. And I've watched a ton of uh, the folks that come into the shops been able to do that as well. You know, where they are able to drive it hundreds of thousands of miles for minimal investment. Um, and I'll give you some of the real numbers. You know, uh, we've got a dear customer. Uh, she, I think, paid on it for six years and drove it for six years with no payments. We averaged anywhere from 1500 a year to 3000 a year in keeping it up. It was still in good shape when she sold it. She got top dollar out of it, even with 240,000 miles, was able to thankfully make a purchase on a newer Ford um, just before the shortage happened. Um, ended up buying a Fusion, I think gave about fourteen or 15,000 for a Fusion, which I think is a very, very good car. Uh, used the tax deduction from selling her vehicle that still had worth to pull down her taxable amount on that new vehicle. So the return on investment and the six years of driving it without payments absolutely is where you make the money on the deal. That same car now that, you know, I think it was uh, 2019, just before everything went kind of bonanza, that she was able to buy for fourteen grand. I, I visited with her the other day. I think she said it was like $28,000 if you try and buy that car today. So that car literally doubled in price in the last three years. So the, the notion that uh, you get all the depreciation when you first buy the car and drive it off the lot, at this point in time, that's kind of an old adage. I think that will come back at some point in time, but I guarantee she'd probably make money on her car even though she had, I think, about twelve or 13,000 miles on it now. If she sold it today, which you couldn't replace it, though, that's the only bad thing. You know, a lot of us have homes that we've bought and, and did good that they've, you know, gone up $150,000. That'd be awesome to sell one and, and make that, you know, windfall, or in this case, a car. But what would you replace it with? You're not going to. At least not right now. My, I want to say prediction, barring, you know, they continue to bankrupt our entire country, um, is that we're probably a year and a half to two years from getting out from under this. But when we do, 
that's going to be where the market cools down and there's going to be a surplus again, which we've been used to, or I have for the last, oh, 20 plus years at this point that I've been driving and professionally in the automotive field. We've been used to a surplus. I mean, when you talk about a floor plan on a car lot, typically it's hundreds, if not thousands of cars. That's a surplus. That's a buyer's market. Okay. Well, it, the, the tables have turned at this point, and it's a seller's market right now, which is what Sarah and I have been talking about today, which is why it's so important when you talk about what it takes, you know, the average car payment um, in America, and I, I this won't be down to the penny, I think it's almost $500 a month. That's the average. Now, there's some of you out there paying two and three, you know, you've got, you know, a really good deal. Uh, but there's some of you out there buying those new high-end pickups or SUVs where you're paying eight or nine hundred a month. You think about what you trade time-wise, because most of us are in the boat where we're employees and we're trading time for dollars. How many hours did you have to give up that month in order to come up with nine hundred bucks, or four hundred, or five hundred bucks? And I guess the older I get and the more I think about that stuff, time becomes more and more important to me. When I was younger, I thought I had all the time in the world. And unfortunately, I'm figuring out that time is one of the most irreplaceable things. So and I realize maybe I'm getting a little philosophical here, but that's all right. If I can drive something for six, eight years with no payments, how much time did I not have to trade in order to make those payments for those six or eight years? That's a real deal. I don't always want to be in debt, and I sure don't want you all to be in debt all the time either. Not that debt is a bad thing. Debt can be used correctly. But for most of us, if we don't manage our setup you know, correctly, you go from one debtor to the next. So basically, in, in, in our instance, or in the automotive world, and I've seen it for many years, if you buy a vehicle and it makes it to pay off, typically, and it's in such disarray at that time, that you go right back into debt again. And that's a very, very vicious cycle. And that's not a fun cycle to be in, nor is it what I would consider um, where you are in a good uh, negotiating position. Okay, um, It's important to be on the right side of that. And so if you can purchase a vehicle on your terms, your time frame, it is absolutely amazing how much better of a deal or ability to wait for the right deal to come up. And that's what I was talking about earlier, where people will get frustrated and they'll give up on the pre-purchase inspection process. And then you're saddled with a payment that you're probably okay with. You know, okay, I can make that payment. Great. I can make the increased insurance. Great. And then it comes up to, oh, for whatever reason, the car doesn't work anymore and it leaves you stuck somewhere. Can you make that payment? Can you come up at the drop of a hat with a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks? 4500 9500 and I, I hope this doesn't come across as kind of a fear mentality because it's absolutely not. It's an informed mentality because this is the real world that I see every single day at the shops. That's why we've come up with the you know 101 days same as cash financing is because I see these problems. And I'm like, okay, how do we help here? What do we do here? That's the biggest reason why we started the radio show was because, hey, how do we inform more people about how they need to be prepared in the automotive industry? You know, I, I'm i in the business of fixing cars. A1 
custom car care is in the business of fixing cars. We want to make sure that we do that as little as possible because you're informed with what's going on. I don't enjoy coming up to somebody and saying, hey, the engine's out of your car. It's $6,500. It's $9,500. And those are real discussions that we have on a somewhat regular basis. And every single time, that's it's shocking to to whoever it is. And secondly, they're like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this. Or, oh, I wish I would have known. And a lot of times, had we maintained it or done a few things differently, we would have avoided that that catastrophic situation. Or, in today's discussion, we buy a vehicle that already has a catastrophic failure. How bad is it to owe on a vehicle it not be anything as far as like neglect that you did or oversight or anything like that, and you purchased a problem up front that you owe on. That is a really, really hard thing to deal with, and that's what we're here to do is be your liaison so you're informed with what it is you've got to work with and you can make the very best decision that you can. We're going to take a break. We're going to roll this up in a nice little bow right after this. All right, welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin here in the studio. Sarah, i got a question for you. Sure. Do you love your car? I do. You do? I really, really do. Okay, why? Because it was exactly what I wanted. Okay. I went in with a checklist of things that I wanted, mm-hmm. and I was able to find it. My only mistake, the only mistake I made was the per- the time that I purchased my vehicle. Mm-hmm. I purchased my vehicle just several months after I started working here at the station. Yep, I remember this. And so me and you didn't really have the relationship Mm -hmm. uh, that we do now. And so I didn't talk to you about the the make and the model of the vehicle and some of the issues that arise that are really common with my my vehicle. Have you ever Googled uh, like common problems with your car? You know what? I haven't, and I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't want to find That's out. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I really do love my vehicle and a lot of the things with it. But the one thing that I wish that I would have done is one. I wish I would have done a pre-purchase inspection, which mm-hmm. I feel like it would have passed because it's ultimately been taken care of yes. really well. Yeah. But I wish that I would have communicated with you about the make and the model before I went out and purchased it because I probably would have found. Something very similar mm-hmm. um, with what I was looking for, but just, you know, a, a different make and model. Well, and to kind of not get like super nerded out on the technical side of it. But the bottom line, Sarah's got a small displacement turbocharged engine, which is very fun to drive. I love driving those cars, by the way. They're very responsive. But inherently, it was one of the first generations, and we've done many shows on this. And so they they made this new, you know, widget. And they tested it, and it worked good, and then they sold it out to the to the masses, and then you find out those common, you know, weak points. And essentially, that's kind of what Sarah's talking about. Um, I have figured out how to fix some of those or many of those weak points in those cars. So it is capable, but it's expensive, and it's fairly labor-intensive. Uh, but my niece has got a car just like yours. I don't know if I ever shared this with you. Mm-mm. And she has been gracious enough to allow me to pretty much maintain it, I mean, to the nines. 
She does a great job checking all of her own fluids. She texts me fairly often and says, hey, what do you think about this? Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, she's got about 170,000 miles on her cruise. Yeah. And we have bulletproofed it of what I, you know, there's a company that, that that's a whole nother discussion. But basically, I have fixed a lot of those issues and I get to monitor it and say, okay, this modification, and I'm not a big modification guy. I like things put back the way that they were built or made. But in this instance, okay, we know what this one's doing and it continues to have failures. And so I was able to do some work on hers and it has been a very, very good car, but it's been expensive. We've had to had to update several of the components or different generations in order to get it there for her. Long story short, um, it's really cool when people love their vehicles. And I know yours has been good. It really has fit you very, very well. I'm excited that Ryan's getting a new opportunity. It's neat to see that relationship with folks that love their vehicles. And I can also see it when people don't love their vehicles. Um, you know, there's times where, you know, people don't take care of them. They, they really just, for lack of a better word, trash them. And then they're shocked when they break. Um, the vehicles in the late 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, they would tolerate or they were very well built that you could just drive them. If you moderately kept fluids in them and you kept gas in them, they would drive. And there's still a lot of them out there driving to this day. The vehicles that we're all buying right now will not tolerate that at all. They are very well engineered. The tolerances are very, very tight, um, but they are not without lack of uh, flaws that if you don't take care of them, they will move that to the top of your list and you will be sitting on the side of the road somewhere, which is a really big deal. And folks are not necessarily used to that. Um, people that don't keep up on their oil changes, I see engine failures now and timing chain failures that I never saw before. And it's a weekly thing that I see it. Um, when you bring your vehicle into one of the shops and we change the oil on it, our process is to pull the dipstick before we drain the fluid. Nine out of ten cars are more than a quart low on oil before they come and see me. The oil capacities are getting very much uh, smaller and smaller. So instead of five to seven quarts, you got maybe three and a half quarts on certain engines. So it makes a big, big difference. You cannot neglect them. Miss Sarah, what is one of the things you love most about your car? Well, there's a lot of different things. Okay. One... And everybody always makes fun of me, but I love the color of yes. my car. And I, I always mention this. I had a really serious car accident where a person claimed that they didn't see me because I had a darker vehicle yeah. and um, it was kind of a cloudy, gross day. Yeah. So it just kind of blended into the road. So that I love the color of my car. Sure. I love the gas mileage. I love how fast it can go. I don't do it too often. I mean, do you you notice a difference yes. when you have mm -hmm. to pull out in traffic that that car gets up and moves? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yep. I really enjoyed spirited driving. That's what I call it when I have to go to Kyle and be like, Kyle, I got a speeding ticket. Spirited <laughs> driving. So what, uh, going forward, so did you guys end up with a lot of that on the Colorado you guys ended up with? What color is it? I'm curious. It's black. It's black. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's one of my favorite I'll show you a picture colors. of it really yeah. quick. It's I really nice. I love a black vehicle. And honestly, my last truck was white, and I, oh, yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, I see why you guys went with that one. It's that like the perfect great. size for yeah, us. Yeah, it is. 
my last vehicle was white and I thought that would be hard to keep clean. White was one of the easiest vehicles I ever got to keep clean. Black, it's going to take a little bit of work and love there. But when you clean one up and get a decent sheen or a coat of wax on there, oh man, those things look awesome. So are you a radio connoisseur? Obviously, this is your business. I know, I know. I'm not just uh, not setting too big of a trap. Are you one that jams out while you're driving? You know, no. Really? I'm not. Okay, so, and I'll explain why. Because people find that very weird that I drive. Obviously, I did. I drive in silence. And the reason is because, one... I usually, when I'm working, I will sit here in the KSGF studio. I will have the radio on. So I'm hearing, monitoring what's going on air. So then there's that. But also when you walk down the hallway of our building, we have Power Mm 96.5 right across the hall. They are constantly jamming. (laughs) They are. We also have speakers throughout our hallway where you can hear 94.7 KTTS. Mm -hmm. And then if you go downstairs, you can hear the river blasting. Yes. So what I'm saying is... If I keep the door open, which I do, because it gets pretty warm here in the studio, I hear a mixture of talk (laughs) radio, Power 96.5, and KTTS. Got all your genres. And you just have to just kind of like shut it out. Yeah. And it's constant. It never stops. If it stops, you have a problem. Oh, yes. You push (laughs) the red button. So, yeah. I've been trained. Yep. Push the red button. So, um, yeah, usually by the time I am ready to go home, I just sit in silence. Wow. I know. Well, that is one of my favorite things about any vehicle that I've ever got is the stereo. And it depends on the mood I'm in. Sometimes, you know, I channel surf like nobody's business. Other than that, um, Audible, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I think I've got 219 wow. audiobooks. And not all of them are educational. I'll tell you that right now. Some of them are, you know, fantasy different stuff. Um, but I really find that important because, you know, it gives you a huge opportunity to do some learning or escape, I guess, mentally as you're, you know, commuting somewhere. And I'm not talking about distracted driving, so nothing like that. But you can listen to that audio program. And, man, that has been some of the best uh, shift in the industry. And even when I was a kid, we would go to the library before we would go on a long trip and we would get audio tapes or books on tape. So the fact that it's so easy now is one of my very favorite things. Now, we deal with a lot of people that do love their vehicle, and it's always very interesting for me to find people that have named their car um, or, you know, they love the way it looks, dual exhaust. I mean, I'm a huge custom exhaust fan. Um, Sarah, how much time? we got a few minutes. We do. You had a question earlier, and I almost forgot. Did we have a listener question? Well, it's more of a comment. A comment, okay. So I would like to read it to you. Hello, I'm reaching out to you about the importance of knowing the people you let work on your car. Mm -hmm. I have used A1 in the past, and I was actually worked on by Dustin. Now, seriously, it is hard trusting anyone else there with my car, but I do realize that anyone working for him will have to answer to him. So (laughs) I let them do some work, and it was a good job. Excellent. Now, I think one thing that is important is you really need to know the person who works on your car. I was forced to go to another shop because A1 was packed, Dang which it. is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these people, the other shop, uh, removed one of my brand new headlight assemblies and replaced it with a salvage unit. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. Where am I here? It's a long email. Sure. So I'm oh. trying to find my spot here. Um, 
Not only that, uh, they had changed tie rods and failed to align the front end. So we took it elsewhere and found out that they had not even changed them. So after spending $575 at this other shop, I had to spend an additional $1,300 at a different shop to fix the same thing over again. That's why you should wait for that open spot wow. at A1. I uh, Part of that, I mean, that's a super huge compliment. Absolutely awesome. And I'm, I'm very humbled by that. I'm also enraged by the fact that they went somewhere else and they didn't take care of business. You know, I realize we can't fix every car. I personally can't fix every broken car, which I'm so thankful for the team we've got. But as that goes through... Um, you know, taking a few minutes and, and I know it's hard to be without your car. I know it's hard to not, uh, you know, wait for that spot, but at least I can have some influence on the outcome and a one custom can as well. Miss Sarah, thank you for everything. Thank you so much. Well, of course, if you guys have any questions, it doesn't matter how big or small, you can shoot us a text message here at the studio, 417-447-5743, or you can reach out to us on our Facebook, 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good weekend. As well, Sarah. Bye.